Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm just feeling the beat right now before we actually officially launch this post-fight show because we have a lot to discuss. We watched a lot of fights tonight. I mean a lot of fights. UFC Vegas 48. We had Bellator 274. We had Knuckle Mania 2. Just so much happening on this Saturday, and we're here to recap it all with all of you lovely people who have stuck around throughout the entirety of this triple header, and uh, that's what we're going to do right now. So welcome to the trio post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, joined by a couple of other wonderful fellows. We got Jose Youngs. We got Jed Mishu. There he is. And we have all of you. And we have Casey on the ones and twos. And I don't even really know. Oh, hello, Casey. I don't even really know where to begin because there was so much happening. We should probably start with Jamal Hill's terrifying knockout. Jed, you have said, Jed, you have said many times on our various programs that it is a special skill to deliver these knockouts, but it is almost an equally great skill to take a knockout in a spectacular way. That was, I mean, that was, I mean, a combination of the two, wasn't it? That was a brutal knockout by Jamal Hill. Huge win. I don't know if I've ever seen a reaction before a man hit the canvas quite like that one. What did you think of Jamal Hill's performance and just the ferocity of that knockout? Dude, it was awesome. I don't know. Like, there's not a ton to really say about it other than I have never seen a human body do that unintentionally because, like, it. I don't know. He His body seized up and then, like, spring-loaded itself back into the cage. I have no idea how how what physically occurred just did. But it was especially from that first angle you're watching live where it's like behind uh, behind him and you see him just sort of stand up tall and then kind of jump and fall back. It's just it was incredible. Uh, it's one of the uh, Alexander Lee and, and I do a, a column every Friday called Mist Fists about, you know, the regional MMA scene and highlights. 
and we have an award called the Humpty Dumpty Award for falling in a comical or ridiculous fashion. And man, if we if we did that for this event, for sure, or for any like high level big fights, for sure, for sure, Johnny Walker's getting the Humpty Dumpty. It was awesome. What did you think of it, Jose? I mean, not only was it just a huge win, the biggest win of the career for Jamal Hill, but it was just a spectacular knockout. It was just one of those shocking ones. My eight-year-old had come up and was wondering why I was screaming so loud, and he saw the knockout on the replay, and it said, it goes, that tall guy looked like he was coming out of a jack-in-the-box, were his exact words. So what did you think of the knockout and, and just the overall performance of Jamal Hill? Because this guy is a serious problem. Yeah, I'll I'll put it to you in a way I think Mike I think you'll appreciate this and maybe maybe some of our listeners will appreciate it. I watched WrestleMania 18 and when Stone Cold Steve Austin hit Scott Hall with that stunner that we've all seen a million times, I was like, well, that doesn't really leave much to the imagination because that looks real fake cuz no one would ever go that high after getting knocked out. And then we saw it tonight. So, good on you Stone Cold Steve Austin. Jamal Hill made you look like you were actually doing that in, in WrestleMania 18. But yeah, that was a spectacular knockout. Uh, 10 out of 10 across the board, probably shortlisted for knockout of the year. Obviously in MMA, I'd really have to just sit down and think about it, but that might be, might be number one, but I know we all talked about at the beginning of this, uh, the preview show that if Johnny Walker wanted to keep his job or not be on the shortlist for getting axed that he would at least put on like a competitive back and forth, exciting fight. Didn't even get the opportunity to do that. Cause Jamal Hill just gave him a one-way ticket to the shadow realm, uh, courtesy of a very, didn't a glancing blow. I want to say it didn't even look like it landed that flush. It kind of, it would, it, it was kind of like that, uh, Barboza Shane Burgos knockout where it was like super delayed, except instead of going 10 feet in the air, Burgos just kind of turned into silly putty and collapsed on the ground. So yeah, Bizarre scene. Jamal Hill is a bad dude. I'd probably slot maybe just outside the top 10 right now for going off of rankings and who was ranked and who he beat and so on and so forth. But good on you, Jamal Hall. Jamal Hill, you're right outside the top 10 at light heavyweight. Yeah, he's a guy that I definitely can't wait to see again. And I mean, how far do we want to take him, Jed? Because you want to be careful with a guy like that. But at the same time, starching johnny walker like that in the first round in such a vicious way you almost want to just see what's out there i mean there's there's perfect litmus tests for him there's the volkan ozdemirs of the world i've seen a lot of different suggestions from that to dominic reyes anthony smith some different names being thrown out there how high would you be willing to see him go right now in terms of his next opponent after this win Oh man, I, I don't know. Because uh, it, it's hard. I think we we feel we're ascribing a lot more uh, importance to knocking out Johnny Walker than there probably is. Just because we all love Johnny Walker, because the the things Johnny Walker made us feel at one point in time, <laughs> and the fact that like Johnny Walker was one win away from challenging for a UFC title, but he's now he's one in four in his last five. Like I think this is going to get J- Jamal Hill ranked in our rankings at the end of this month, but. I don't, I don't love his chances against any guy like way up there. So I don't, I don't want to move him up too fast. You know, uh, you probably still need to give him somebody though. Like, I don't know who's is Tiago Santos fighting somebody. I feel like Tiago Santos probably wins that fight, but that's a fight it's I'd watch. Fighting Ankle 
Oh, well, then you, he can fight Tiago Santos after Santos loses to Ankoliath. That seems, <laughs> that seems like a good way to go. Uh, um, so sure, do that. that. That's the booking I'd give him. And we're, we talked about this on the previous show. We talked about it. It was brought up on the pre-fight Q&A, Jose. And you said to ask you after the event. So where does Johnny Walker go from here? Because like Jed said, one and four in his last five. This is kind of a must win for him if he ever wanted to, to climb the ranks. Is he uh is he on the chopping block right now? Are we only going that far? We'll Mike go to you. We'll go to you in a second, Where who should Johnny Walker fight? Or where should he go? Uh, is 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 his job on the line now? Is is there a chance? I mean, it, that... In this hypothetical world, like if he if I'm gonna in this world, I'm gonna say he gets one more fight just because like he is he has the possibility of at least putting someone over in wrestling terms in spectacular fashion one more time like Jamal Hill. Um, I don't know. Dominic Reyes could be one to get Dominic Reyes back in the win column. Mm. I don't know. I can't. Let me pull up our rankings right now. <laughs> Go to Jed. I'm sure he he's champing at the bits to say something. Solve. We, all right. We, what, what, what do we? What do we solve we on Twitter Spaces? What was... We on Twitter Spaces. We figured it out. I think Dominic Reyes, if he stays in the UFC, is actually a totally like a really good fight for him. Uh, but no, the answer is what we talked about on BTL. Instead of Andre Arlovsky, we we do the trade. We package up oh. Bobby Knuckles and now Johnny Walker in exchange for AJ McKee, and then Johnny Walker fights Yoel Romero, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in, in my life, certainly. I can't speak for anybody else, but give me Johnny Walker versus Yoel Romero. If somehow Johnny Walker can just fight Vadim Nimkov, that would be hilarious. Like that's I'm here for that. So, so that's it. He's part of the trade package. All right. What, what, what do you think, Jose? What, what, what are the rankings God's telling you right now? What, what message are they sending you? Well, he lost to Paul Craig, so I'm not going to put him above Paul Craig. Paul Craig's sitting 13 in our in our rankings right now, so I'd probably slot him 14. Ozdemir and Krylov goes down one, and Krylov is right is falls to 16 if we're putting that ranking. So, just, like I said, just outside the top 10. If you're looking at just the UFC rankings, I think they even threw him up there. I think uh, Paul Craig was sitting at 11, and Johnny Walker might have been sitting at 10. So I'd probably move. Paul Craig up to 10, Jamal Hill to 11, which means he would be right outside the top 10 again. I just, it feels like as spectacular as a knockout as this last two are, it feels weird putting him above Paul Craig, considering Paul Craig snapped his arm in half in front of 30,000 people in Glendale, Arizona. Um, so yeah, right outside the top 10, which is according to most people in the UFC light heavyweight division, a top five title challenger at this point, because we're running out of people to fight. Jamal Hill obviously got himself an extra 50 G's for that knockout. How could you not yeah. give him one? David Onama got Fair. 50 G's. Stephanie Edgar got 50 G's. Kyle Dawkins got 50 G's. You know who didn't get 50 G's, Jed Mishu? Jim Miller Jimmy, didn't get 50 Jimmy Mills? G's. Why? How is this possible? Like, no disrespect to Kyle Dawkins because he gets the win. It's a buzzer beater. I think that helped. The highlight, you know, getting the the tap right before the horn sounds. But he was like a three and a half to one favorite to win that fight. Jim Miller, the underdog, take it on the up and coming prospect who was the favorite. And Jim Miller just goes out there and bolts Nicholas Mata. And no bonus? What gives? Did they get this right? 
Oh, uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue with the Kyle Dawkins thing is it was objectively cool Jim Miller finish just because it's the buzzer beater tap. Like, that's, that's, that is cooler to hit a buzzer beater sub uh, than, than Jim Miller with the, the underdog win. Uh, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but, you know, Jim Miller's won a lot of bonuses, so they maybe they just didn't want to give him another one. They're like, ah, Jim's Jim's going to be fighting here for another 12 years, so we don't need to give him one now. He's going to be here in 2045, still picking up wins over undefeated de- debutantes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get I get where you're coming from. Uh, we also got a oh. unanimous decision win from Parker Porter. So there you go. Another victory for him. Uh, Joaquin Buckley wins was, a split decision. That was decision. a victory for the fans, Mike. It sure was. Uh, Joaquin Marvel Buckley. Zone, Parker Porter. That's right. Defeats uh, Abdul Razak Al-Assad. Split decision, Jose Youngs. D- did you ever imagine a world where that would happen? Because it, we put it on the ether. Everyone thinks you're a jinx when you say it. But how, it was just a shocking result to a fight that no one thought would go that way. I just think fight fans need to accept the fact that when you get two knockout artists that are going to break brick and one of them really needs a win and one of them or to get knocked out again, it's probably not going to happen. Like I was like, I was watching this fight and it just dawned on me. I'm like, every time we talk about like, Oh, this isn't getting out of the first round. It almost always does. And you almost always goes to the decision. Like the main event tonight was kind of the anomaly at this point. So I would have been more surprised that that did end in the first round. Like, remember when Krylov fought Johnny Walker and we're like, well, this there's no way this fight gets to the fifth, get reached to the judge's scorecard. And then that fight happened. And I don't remember anything about it. Like it just happens all of the time. So uh, it wasn't a bad fight by any means. It definitely wasn't a split decision. I thought walking Buckley won pretty comfortably on my scorecards, but uh yeah, it just it's fight fans need to stop being surprised when knockout artists go to the decision. <laughs> wow, what production wow. values. Casey was that. ready with that hit. So eight to seven uh for Alisson, and then of course Drake Riggs just I was has saying to be so Drake much Riggs. respect for Drake. Way to go, Drake. A draw. I, I, I mean, I don't know where we get a draw out of this equation. It's Aaron but... Bronstetter level scorecards right there. Where does the draw come from? I don't know. Yeah, is it a 9 9? It had to have done like, 10, how is 10 that somewhere. I guess maybe he went 10 8 for uh, the last round. That seems questionable. How? I, oh, man. I yeah, love you, Drake. I don't know how you find your way to a draw there, but I respect it. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, an hey, elite level. To be fair, right Drake has a tattoo of a goat on his arm. Uh, because he made a bet because he was real confident that Megan Anderson was going to beat Amanda Nunes. That is, uh, <laughs> so the man is a confident, the man is a confident boy. He sure I confidently is. proclaimed a worse pick, but then it worked out. So I guess I can't knock him, but that is a bold. <laughs> hey, I, I respect it. Tattoo bets on Juliana Pena. So dude, I've been looking for a tattoo bet to do with John Anik for every time I'm on fight fight week on site, me and John Anik are trying to come up with a tattoo bet to do. So if anyone's watching or listening, give me, give us some ideas. Cause I'm, I'm a hundred percent down to do it. I like it. You should do something with like the Patriots and the Packers. He would love that. Oh, I can't put the Patriots on my body. I'd have to chop my arm off. 
I just see that's that's why it's a good pick right there. And oh, I'm sure no. Anik would probably feel the same way about the Packers. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the night, because I think I mean it was it was a fine card. It, it probably over delivered in, in some ways, especially the way that the, the night ended. Jed, if tomorrow your friend calls you up and says, "What did I miss in this UFC card?" but you can't say Jamal Hill or Jim Miller, what are you telling people about? What's the first fight? What's the first moment you're telling people to go watch? I mean, it's got a, I guess David Anama, like that. It's a one round fight. Uh, Benita, if you're just watching the highlight, the, the KO is still sick. And it was a really fun one round fight just because Benitez was, we were, we were watching it live on Twitter spaces and Benitez was kind of, kind of tooling him up there. And then all of a sudden, Anama just turned the tables real fast. So I think if, I, if I'm getting one, it's probably that. That seems like the most fun for a person who doesn't doesn't know a lot or care that much about MMA is just just in it for a good time. Give me that one. What do you think, Jose? Uh, the retirement fight for Chas Skelly, of course, because they're never going to get to see Chas Skelly again. <laughs> I don't even know if that was a I don't even know if that was a retirement fight. Honestly, that was like the most he like basically retired, but didn't retire. Me and. Um, uh, New York Rick, like who run our social, like had a bunch of stuff queued up to post about Chas Skelly retiring, and then he didn't retire. We were like, "Do we do we post it? Like, did he actually <laughs> retire, or is he gonna flank?" But regardless, I mean, it went as a win. The man, like, that was impressive performance for Chas Skelly. A uh, bunch need the dude in the face, need the dude, and then just beat the soul out of him, and then yelled at his coach or the, his the opposing coaches for apparently his coaches were yelling. He has no power, and then he knocked out their fighter. So good on you, Chaz Skelly. Right off into the sunset and just a fit of rage, shoving something down a coach's faces. Love it. It's because they said uh, his his strikes were soft or his hands were soft or something like that when yeah. his strikes were soft. And then soft you got and... knocked out. <laughs> yeah, not good. Fair, not a good knocked him out with a knee, not his hands. So hey, man. just saying, technically they're not it's wrong. All appendages. I mean, yeah. I mean, he landed the shots to end the fight. I mean, who knows? But good win, good win for Chaz Skelly, and perhaps his last fight. Apparently, he uh, he is doing some roofing now, which good for him. Just getting getting into the roofing business. And he said, if the UFC wants me back, then I'll do something that's interesting. So he like shut the door, didn't lock it. So I don't know. I have a feeling we're going to see him again. Might not be can for you, a while, but I think we'll. Can you again. just imagine this in like a real sport? Like Eric Weddle, who came off the bench to win a suit or like off the street to win a Super Bowl with the Rams, whatever. What if Eric Weddle was just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I was at a landscaping business I was doing and the Rams called me up. It's just unbelievable <laughs> that that's like a thing that is very commonplace. He's doing roofing now. That's what he's he's professional fighter in the biggest league in the world. Yeah, he's doing roofing. So maybe he'll fight again. Maybe not. He's got a real job. Yeah, I'd love to interview him. And I have so many questions. So many questions. Uh, Glory to Paula gets a victory, snaps a two-fight skid. That was actually, I know you weren't a huge fan of that fight, Jed, but good technical striking there. Uh, The Ann Hellinger straighter fight was fun. Uh, Chad gets the win. Jonathan Pierce, Christian Rodriguez was fun. I think Christian Rodriguez is going to be a giant problem 
for a lot of guys at 135 if he can if he can get down to 135 and do it successfully because he missed on the contender series and that's a big no-no and uh good performance from mario batista against uh jay perrin so looking forward to see jay perrin on a on a full camp and we'll see what happens so that's the ufc they're back again next week with islam makachev versus bobby green what on jonathan pierce for winning honestly that's a crazy fight it was a really good fight we should talk about Jonathan Pierce because at one point he was four and three losing on Bellator Monster Series. Remember when they did that? They had like the fights at the Monster yes, Truck I do. rallies. He was four and three and losing on that. And then he gets Joe Lozon and he gets basically big brothered in his UFC debut. Now he's on a three fight win streak. Good on you, Jonathan Pierce. Yeah, dropping a 140. He is a tank at 145. Good God. So much bigger than everybody he's a giant but good win christian rodriguez great debut against up a weight class against a huge featherweight and almost got it done in the third round almost got the nice comeback so looking forward to see what is next for him and then the ufc's back next weekend good card uh some really good fights armand sarukian versus joel alvarez is on that card so there's a lot to look forward to outside of this main event the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist magomed magomedov and cedric the best Doombay makes his bellator debut in front of a home paris crowd versus jaleel the realist willis don't miss the action live at noon est on hbo here in the u.s and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Jed, I got to be honest with you. You are our Bellator guy tonight. Uh, outside of outside of the final 90 seconds of the main event, I didn't see any of Bellator. Not one second mm-hmm. of it because I was covering BKFC and trying to watch the UFC at the same time. So main event, for those who didn't watch it, describe the main event, which Logan Storley won via unanimous decision over Neiman Gracie. The main event was not a bad fight. It was Bellator's first five-round non-title non-tourney fight, and we went all five rounds. It was the classic uh, two grapplers meet, and we have a kickboxing match, which Mauro Ranallo was just more than excited to talk about as if this was something new and novel and not something that has happened since the history of this freaking sport. Uh, basically Storley got an early lead cause he is a better athlete than Neiman Gracie and Neiman Gracie couldn't take him down. And then as the fight went on, it was really boring until the fourth round. The fourth round was awesome. Gracie caught Storley with a counter right uppercut coming in, hurt Storley may have broken his orbital bone based on the post-fight interview. Um, Storley was in all sorts of trouble, but Gracie couldn't finish. And then Storley cracked Gracie with an overhand and 
had like dropped Gracie, had Gracie in all sorts of trouble, couldn't finish. The fifth round, they were both pretty gassed, um, but they still kind of kept up a good work rate, and it was it was fun after the fourth round. The first three was really mediocre kickboxing. Um, that Storley was winning with volume, and that's sort of just... And then Storley ended up taking a pretty clear unanimous decision, although the judges were interestingly split with a 48-47, 49-46, 50-45. Mm-hmm. So... We had the whole gamut of scores for Storley there, uh, but I think he won at least four rounds. So, yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was it was way better than it could have been, I guess is the way to say it. And Logan Storley looked legitimately really improved, and that dude is a problem at welterweight. Like, he's maybe not the most exciting guy, but that dude's a problem. What stood out to you, Jose, from, from this belt? I think I know the answer, but... Uh... What stood out to you about this Bellator card? Well, there are three people that stood out to me. Obviously, the co-main event, I talked about him a lot on the previous show. Andres Korshkov remains one of the more underappreciated welterweights on planet Earth. He's only lost to Douglas Lima, who he's beat. I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, he's beaten him too. Uh, that Because they were kind of, like, trading the title back and forth for a long time. It was kind of like Pitbull and Daniel Strauss and, like, those early 2010 Bellators where they just kind of reign supreme at the top of the division. Uh, and then Ben Askren and Lorenz Larkin, the man just ate chance for counts, like hit him with a body, like a spinning back body kick chance, tried to lock up and then his body just shut down on him. Uh, and then he just molly him on the ground, calls out Paul Daly for London. Paul Daly has been begging for a big name to co-main event that card inject that fight into my veins. Korshkov versus Paul Daly. I need that real bad obviously brendan ward i'm sure our our sure jed's going to talk about it because uh that was a perfect setup fight for returning brendan ward obviously i I tweeted that i'm i was happy enough that he was alive let alone fighting in mma so that was a good that was just a good story all around and then i don't know if jed watched it or i don't know if you heard about it mike but deanna bennett absolutely mollywopped justine quiche like that was about as one-sided of beat down as you can get. So uh, when I was like going through, I was doing UFC Twitter reacts uh, for the main card, and there were actually a lot of fighters tweeting about uh, Deanna Bennett just absolutely beating the brakes off of Justin Keish. I think there were even like some 30-26, 30-25 scorecards in there. So those are the three most impressive performances outside of the main event in my mind. Plus Deanna Bennett's, her fight kit was, I, that worked for yeah. me. I thought, I thought it was sick. I thought her, I thought her kit looked sick. So <laughs> nice, uh, nice Casey. I just want to chime in real quick. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned her fight kit because um, if you're interested, she also makes a bunch of pro wrestling outfits too. She's a really yeah. good. Uh, her name is Defila, Isla Defila, and um, Google. She, her. she does. She yeah. was on the she was on the PWG squad. Yeah, yeah, she, right? yeah. She's come. Yeah, oh she's, yeah, she's, she's a great yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know <laughs> anything about pro wrestling, so I was she not does setting the, uh, up for that viewers. But that fight kit was legitimately sick. She <laughs> does the Young Bucks and um, Shayna Baszler's wrestling. She, game. Yeah, she's, she's done a bunch of pro wrestlers. Yeah, so that, if you're wondering why it was so awesome, that's why. Makes sense. Good win for Adam Piccolotti, and let's talk about Brennan Ward. Jed, you watched it. Uh, looks like second round. What was it second round TKO is, according to uh Tefali? Second round TKO. That is a that man. Look, everybody did their jobs. Everybody knew we they all knew the assignment and they all <laughs> did their jobs. Uh Brennan Ward 
was coming back. Jose has talked a lot about what Brandon Waters faced and, and all that. Brandon Bell is a 500 fighter who was on like a three fight losing streak coming into this fight. Brandon Ward or Brandon Bell's job was to come in here and and be a body. He was just be a body, and everybody knew it from Jump Street. That whole crowd could not have been the biggest pop by far. Was was Brandon Ward not like after the win even like his walk to the cage? Everybody was everybody was there for Brandon Ward. This was the Brandon Ward show in Uncasville, and immediately from the fight, like you immediately knew what was going to happen because Brandon Ward was operating on a different speed. Than Brandon Bell, it was like he was turned to like one point five and just he just battered Bell like just pillar to post. The fight should have probably been stopped at the end of the first. There were opportunities. That, I don't remember who was refing it. Uh, there were opportunities to jump in, but Bell did just enough to stay alive. And then Ward spent some time on the back and didn't just go flatten out and hammer him. Done. Bell's corner shouldn't have sent him out there for the second round. I feel like they knew what they were doing. They just were like, yeah, we know that we shouldn't send you out here, but... No one wants to see Brennan Ward win it on the stool in his comeback fight. So just go out there, first punch he lands, fall over him, and it's a wrap. Brennan Ward storms across the cage, punches him real hard in the stomach, Bell falls over, fight's done. So sure, it's technically a second-round stoppage, but only in the most the strictest of terms. How is the broadcast overall, Jed? Because we talked that, that that's one of one of the most awful. <laughs> it, was, it was so poor. Like, I don't – look, I just don't – the fights themselves are pretty good tonight at Bellator, honestly. Like, you know, not every, not everything's a hitter, but not everything's going to be when you have a 13-fight card. But it is it is laborious to watch all of their production. Every, every aspect of it is a tough hang. Like, and I'm not the only one. I got a bunch of tweets from people being like, how come after every fight we get 20 minutes of Josh Thompson – doing stuff <laughs> like just there's no there's no momentum and then then the actual fights john mccarthy and morrow are like stuck in 2002 and it's just it's such a tough hang like aside from the fact that we legitimately got a 10 minute promo package before the main event that wasn't diving into the histories of neiman gracie and logan storley and what they're about as people and trying to build them as promotional entities or anything, you know, it was just a straight up like wrestling versus BJJ. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is what we're doing. We're going to talk about this. Like let's talk to the ASU wrestling coaches about this because Logan Storley went to Minnesota. Like, I don't know what <laughs> we're doing here. This was an event in Uncasville featuring a wrestler who went to ASU yeah, Ryan Bader is your heavyweight champion. He went to ASU, but he wasn't fighting. I don't know what we were doing. It was like we were trying to explain to the audience what wrestling and BJJ are, and it was just awful. And then immediately, like, one of the first things Morrow says is just, is just like, oh, Logan Storley knows how to learn how to kickbox. Whoa! Like, he's been an MMA fighter for, like, seven years. I hope he knows how to kickbox by now, Morrow. It was just awful, and I want them to do better because the fights themselves were good, but everything else was really, really tough. Of course he knows how to kickbox. Henry Hooft is, like, one of his head coaches, for God's sake. He's been yeah, in Sanford MMA for, like, five years. Robbie Lawler and stuff. Like, 
there there was a story that he looked way better on the feet than he ever has. Like legitimately, he looked pretty improved, but it was not. Oh, he's using his wrestling in reverse. Oh, we never saw the coming. <laughs> no, man, it was unbelievable how the storylines like. John McCarthy was so hung up on the fact that he he didn't shoot a takedown. I thought he was going to have to take Neiman Gracie down, but he's he's not doing it, Mauro. He's just boxing him up. Yeah, Neiman Gracie's not a good striker. Like, <laughs> I I picked Logan Storley to win, and, and I did it entirely because like Logan Storley is a better athlete, and Neiman Gracie's not a good striker. So like, all he has to do is spam overhand rights, he's going to win the fight. Incredibly <laughs> frustrating to watch. So I missed a I missed a good one, huh? If you missed something, man, yeah, the fight they, again. They, the fights themselves are really good. Like, yeah, really they, good. Just, yeah, they interviewed the ASU wrestling coach and John Crouch, neither of who had any yeah. involvement in the match. I forgot event. that John Crouch was the other person that they were just like. <laughs> What are they just I'm fairly like certain they. I'm fairly certain they just shot that when they were in in Phoenix, like a couple say. weeks ago. And because everyone keeps asking, like, oh, why does what? Why is the? Why do they always throw up the diamonds for from the MMA lab? And it's I've tweeted it. It's because it's a Gracie gym. <laughs> it's a Gracie Jiu Jitsu gym. That's why it's a triangle logo. So they got a guy who owns a Gracie Academy and uh, NCAA wrestling coach to talk about two fighters that they don't coach. And and it wasn't even like a technical discussion. It wasn't like, here's how Logan Storley wrestles and how this might play. It was just a purely, well, historically, BJJ and wrestling have had a a rivalry. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is not 2002. If people are watching you, Bellator, they know what fighting is, at least at a core understanding. And they can pull it off. Because the promo package that they put on for Brennan Ward, where it was just him sitting in a dark room talking, I thought was like genuinely captivating. That was He's by like, far their best thing. They've done Yeah, and it was like, so simple. Like, and I can like actually remember like things. He's like, people don't live after doing the amount of drugs that I've done. I, I was like, damn. Yeah. That is an intense statement. And you're about to fist fight a human being. Yeah, it was. It's all so, and especially after like going into it, I made sense. But watching it, why Brennan Ward wasn't the co-main event is my oh, problem. Like, I obviously I don't hate better, but that was I the don't Brennan hate Ward the placement. No. I don't hate the placement because I feel like we see it in wrestling where like you get this epic fight and then like everyone or epic match, then you kind of need a quote unquote like palate cleanser because everyone is just so emotionally exhausted. Like when Gaethje Chandler kicked off and then sure. But like when Gaethje Chandler kicked off the pay-per-view and then they had the, just the second best fight of the night happened to be Shane Burgos, Billy Q and no one cared. It's, it's tough to come down from that for sure. But just like, it was just weird why you had like the middling heavyweight fight to open it up when this is that card was the Brennan Ward show. Like, I don't, it, it is the only thing people there were. He should not or fight. Or cared about. He shouldn't fight anywhere else but Uncasville, at all, unless they actually like go to Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Like, or they go to like Bridgeport, Connecticut, or something. Yeah, sure. he needs to be anywhere. In stick him in the stick him in else. New England. Hundred uh, percent. 
Davion Franklin gets a win. Uh, Speaking of scorecards, what the hell is that all about? A 30-27, a 29-28, and then a 29-28 the other way? What happened? It was a bad fight. Like, it's not indefensible to score the fight for Soma. It's not good. Like, it's just not good, but it's not indefensible. The fight, David, uh, Franklin swung and missed a lot. And I'm not taught, like, he swung, like, baseball throws. Like, throwing fastballs from the mound and missing by a country mile. And, like, I don't, nothing really definitively great happened in the fight, frankly. Like, it, it was clear that Franklin was the more powerful, better athlete, and that Soho was pretty not interested in getting hit by him, but didn't really generate a lot of his own offense. So it was just, it was just, that was weird, bad heavyweight MMA. And both of those dudes are ranked heavyweights for Bellator. Incredible. Good win for. Nick Nyquil Brown stopping Mandel Nall. That's a very good win. Jalen Bates, another finish of Christy Sinell. Uh, five and zero now. Player, that that yeah, kid's gonna be good. Uh, Bobby King just halting all these momentums. Did it to Nick Newell. Now they throw Aviv Ghazali in there with him, and Bobby King just, just from what I understand, he put a whooping on him. So. Uh, good win yeah, for Bobby oh, King. I, well, we need to talk about on. that for a moment because some real fun shenanigans happened in that fight. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm going to butcher the name because I'm not good at saying uh, um, Aviv Ghazali. He's he's like hurt and in the corner and the, they brought the doctor in to talk and he speaks English like he knows at least understands core competency what is happening. And he's just like, no, nah, get the translator, man. I don't understand <laughs> So they bring like the translator to buy time, basically, before they before the doctor finally calls the bout. But there was like a, a minute there of real. No, he doesn't speak any English, and John McCarthy's just like, yes, he does. I don't. They're lying. It was, it was wild. <laughs> yes, they both do. Him and his dad both yeah, speak English. I've interviewed both incredible. of them before. John McCarthy on air is just like he speaks English. I don't know what they're talking about. It's the one good thing John McCarthy's ever done because that was incredible <laughs> television. Just like they're just lying to buy time. <laughs> Call it out. Uh oh. Ooh. Looks like we lost our host. You, you unplugged your mic, Mr. Heck. What mm. happened? Anyway. All right. Let's take Mike Mike, did you hit the mute button? You're not muted. Is your your microphone died? Mike, let's play well, charades. <laughs> I have a feeling Mike was going to talk about Knuckle Mania too. Mm, I can't because I didn't watch any of this. So Jose, did you watch any of Knuckle Mania too? I watched. I so I was doing. I was on UFC duty, duty and then uh, as soon as the main event just ended real quick, I tuned in, and I so I tuned into the halfway through the second round of the Bretain Heart fight and i i apologize i cannot remember who, who her opponent was i wrote it down and i lost the piece of paper um but pertain hart's face looks like it got put through a meat grinder like that's very much a you want so you think you're a fighter bro and then you put that face in front like on that poster it was not pretty like her face was it was a combination of her face was completely swollen shut like i was afraid she wouldn't be able to see 
in the middle of the fight, and she had cuts all over her face. So absolutely horrendous uh, massacre at the end. Uh, did, came up short. Uh, you back, Mike? I'm back. I'm back. You, My apologies. I don't know what just happened. Talking about, we were talking about Christine's defeat of Britain Belt, Britain Beltron, Britain Heart, Britain Heart Beltron. Britain, yeah, Heart Britain Heart Britain, Beltron. Britain, Britain, yeah, yeah. That oh, was a, uh, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. She got busted up down the stretch. Yeah, it was a good fight. Britain Hart won the first round. I thought, um, yeah, it was it was good fight. Britain's tough. It's. She looks up to Christine. It's, it's Christine already beat her, so there, there's a history there. Yeah, it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Christine's just an animal. It's like she's just built for this sport. Britain Hart's a great personality for this sport. It was a, it was a fine fight. But not the storylines that, that really stick out because we had Mike Perry make his BKFC debut against Julian Lane. Gets the victory. Fun fight. Both dudes bleeding like crazy. But Chad Mendez goes in there and just puts the boots, not the boots, but the fists, the ungloved fists to the face of Fames over and over and over again, just drops him multiple times. It should have been ended a lot sooner. He he dropped him like three times. I'm like, stop, like, stop the fight. Like, it was at the point where Fames, like, to his credit, just did not, like, if if you gave him those eight seconds, he was standing up. I'm like, dude, just stay down. Throw in the towel. Do something. Like he's too, he's too tough for his own good. And then finally, the ref like mercilessly saved him. And like they kind of panned over to him, and he was like, "Thank God. Like I can't keep doing this anymore." <laughs> so he would have kept getting up. You're right. He saved him from saved him and... from himself. I will say because I watched that fight actually because that was when they had that massive break in Bellator. So I actually got to watch the Chad Mendes fight. The dude hits hard. He clearly has the gas tank, and he has like, how would I describe it? Like he, he's, he has like he he has the balance and the footwork and everything. He throws way too many haymakers. Like he throws a lot of looping punches. The second he fights someone that knows how to avoid that, it's gonna be a, a long night. I think like someone that can actually box, it's gonna be tough. Like Chad Mendes should put away ninety nine percent of the roster at that division. But if he goes up there as someone that can avoid that. I think it's going to be a rough time because he was winging shots at some point. Yeah, he called for a title shot after the win. Who, Give it to who him. would fight Luis Palomino, who just beat Martin Brown in the main event. But Luis Palomino's like, nope, Chad's going to do more. I know it's a money fight, but he's so got to do more. And then he called somebody else out, and I, I lost interest. Who I figured he, he wasn't going to fight Chad. Like this. Is there. Is there some he beat, like a, he beat a musician. Success you know who. You know who about? called out Chad Mendez after their last win? Before tonight? Who? Luis Palomino. He called him out before tonight. His win before tonight. He goes, I hear Chad Money Mendez is joining. And now, like, what are we talking about? Just make the fight. You asked for it once. Chad Mendez asked for it. Just do it. Just make the uh, fight. You silly, silly people. That's incredible. <laughs> I love BKFC so much. Like I really do. It's just lack of it's run-ins. Just... It's like a new. It's like a new world. We didn't need it tonight with the personalities on this card. You just didn't. Uh, yeah. So good. Good fight uh, from Mike Perry. You know what I dis? I, I want to talk about this for a minute because we talked a lot about the Bellator broadcast. I can't. I can't think of a worse pr- product in terms of like direction 
like directing a, t- a TV product than BKFC. That was bad. That's like nice. they have concepts, but they I'm just like they have that camera that just like rotates in a circle. I don't need that for an entire fight. Once at the intro, and then if there's like a crazy circle thing, like just kind of keep with it like a video game. I don't need it for an entire five round fight. Like when I watch bare knuckle boxing, I want the boxing angles. I want to, I want close up shots. I don't want to act like I'm a fly just buzzing around to fight. I want to get in there. Give me that Michael Bay shot for the entire fight. Why not? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. What's worse that or WWE broadcast. Uh, so those quick shots, man. They make you dizzy. WWE broadcast, you have like it's like have you, you guys have seen Taken, I assume. It's like you know yeah. that I think it's Taken. Remember that scene when it's like I think someone counted it's like 17 camera cuts for Liam Neeson Dude, to they hop have over. To. A fence. Liam Neeson's like 70 and he's trying to hop a fence. You can't have Liam Neeson <laughs> hop a fence in a long cut. It'll take 30 minutes and a step ladder. Dog, just have him blow up the fence. If you're gonna use budget, just have him blow up, blow it up. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't – it wasn't great. I was not – I didn't enjoy the product. I didn't enjoy – I enjoy the product. I just wish they would present it better, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I I dig Sean Wheelock on the call. I think he's very good mm-hmm. at his job. I think he's one mm-hmm. of the – I think he's one of the – just super underrated as a play-by-play guy. Bellator could have definitely kept him around, I think. Was that but Chris Lytle that was Chris- doing the interviews too? Chris Lytle is there. Um, Great. I like that. That's a good combination right there. Those two work very well together. It was a pr- – I mean, that was a fun card. It really it was. was. Uh, it started with a bang. Ulysses Diaz, quick knockout after getting dropped real hard early on, gets the finish. The Christine Vicens versus Jad Masan Wong fight was insane. That was a crazy fight. Nasty cut opens up on Masan Wong doctor checks it out he's like doctor like what was so funny about that doctor's like yeah she could fight it took him like one second to say she could fight and then then they looked at it again the next round and they stopped it uh and then gustavo trujillo i thought he i thought he literally killed a man that uppercut oh, he yeah. landed in the first round that dude was down for a long time i was like uh-oh that's not good and then obviously the Faria heart beltran fight was was fun mendez fight was great Perry Lane should have been the main event. I stand by that. Still should have been the main event. And then Palomino Brown was, eh, it was okay. But Palomino won. Clear decision. But not, uh, of all the fights, that was probably the least entertaining of all the fights was the last fight of the night. Yeah. In my opinion. I'd agree. But what a night of fights. Let's go to the peeps and see what they thought about this Saturday of action. In the All octagon, right. the round cage that Casey loves so much, uh, and then the eight-sided <laughs> <laughs> boxing ring. All right. Um, what do we got? Yeah. Some comments on the rotating camera. Yeah. Dude, it's so bad. I don't hate the concept, but I don't need it for an entire fight. It's a camera angle you go to at the maybe the beginning of the round, maybe the very end of a round, but not – a chunk of the round it's just i don't get it and there's so much yeah. it should be it should be intros and before the final round that's yeah, it like that. if yeah. it gets to the fifth round before the fifth round i just have this theory that 
the production team they spent good money on that camera so like we're using yeah. it we're that's using a, it. i get only, it that's the only reason they get i get uh, it I, I don't agree i was a little dis i was a little disappointed tonight because dave feldman on facebook said that they had made the biggest signing in BKFC history and they were going to announce soon. And I have no idea what that means. Like I was hoping they were going to announce this gigantic signing on the broadcast because why the frig wouldn't you on your biggest broadcast of the year? I just, I was just waiting. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm so excited to find out, Eddie? though. Are we going to sign Eddie Alvarez to come in and fight? Probably not. Is it Francis Ngannou? Because I would watch... <laughs> I would watch Francis Ngannou and Bare Knuckle for all of my money. That would be I think it's so my guess is Tyron Woodley. That's my guess. Oh, uh, that's probably right. That's okay. Oh, sure. and then he's gonna fight Hector Lombard. Yeah, Whoa. that feels like exactly what we're about to get. That's fine. I'll tune in. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Oh, before, I didn't get any questions on this, but um, questions on it, but Sean Wheelock said about uh, Mike Perry, I think it was in the fighter meetings, he said, because like, if I break my hand, I hope the bone sticks out through my skin oh, yeah. so I can stab Lane in the eye. I just thought that was a great freaking quote. It is a great freaking man. Mike, Mike Barry, rep in Mexico, apparently. <laughs> Him and Bjorn Absolute hero. All right. Uh, also, just very briefly to mention, because I didn't think of it until you just said it, how did Bellator have Sean Wheelock and Jimmy Smith, and this is the freaking commentary team we've been oh, up with? Oh, don't get me started. What world do they like? You guys can leave. Give me tomorrow and Big John. Let's go. You know what we need? Oh, dude, have you have you been to a live have you been to a live Bellator show in the last couple of years? I've never Dad? been to a live Bellator show. I have not had the opportunity to go to scenic Uncasville, Connecticut, or to I don't even know what you Thackerville. call Thackerville. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've driven through Thackerville. I haven't stopped. So for those who like go to the broadcast, if you're hoping to go to the broadcast to just like avoid hearing those two guys. They go to their podcast clips between every fight while you're at the arena, at least the ones that I've been to. It's just like, let's go to the greatest podcast in the history of MMA. And it's just, it's McCarthy and Thompson talking about a fight on the card. So you can't avoid it. Like, if you're not fans of those guys, you can't avoid it. It's tough. I avoid it by staying in the media room all day. That's a great idea. (laughs) Was Was Amanda Guerra on the broadcast? Was she on the desk? Yeah, on the desk. She's great. I think she's yeah, very. She's I think fun. she's a great she's addition. She's very good. It's really hard to be good when the rest of the things around you are all bad. <laughs> they had AJ. They had AJ McKee plugging his upcoming fight, rematch against Pitbull, but again, like it was so like, and then they just went to the next. Like, Come on, like AJ McKee is by far the biggest star you've ever had. Like he AJ McKee brother. got 
like three minutes in that segment, and then the rest of the time, Josh Thompson was still rocking the desk. They got to do about, something about that. But how about AJ McKee wearing his wearing his title belt when he was cornering um, Jalen Bates? That was fantastic. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Right there. <laughs> Tim Silva level awareness. All right. Absolutely uh, love it. We didn't talk too much about this, but um... <laughs> I don't think so. Is Liam Neeson one and zero as a UFC corner man? Nope. Is the Dust Commander? Is Commander Brown one and zero? Yes, he is. I... Yes, he is. We I saw. I, I saw your tweet, Mike Heck. I saw your tweet, Dust Commander 0-1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said likely 0-1. Likely. <laughs> How do you br- – I bringing him in was great. I thought that was easily the best thing anybody did in the UFC this week. Like that is actually promotionally relevant and good on you, Joaquin Buckley. How do you 100%. not bring that dude back to you, back with you to the presser? Like – that is how you build on that. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, have the dude in the cage. Get him on the mic with Felder. Do like steer all the way into the skid, man. That's how people are going to care. I don't know. I'm Head all the way down and fumbled the ball on the one yard line. Don't I am it. confident that media on site. Def- I'm confident when I say this that they they asked for him for sure. Because when I've been to UFC events, like we tried so hard to get Hasbullah to come do a, a media oppressor at UFC 267 yeah. or whatever. And they were like, we're trying, but they just did it. Same as the uh, Abdul. We tried to get Abdul was a, we almost got Abdul and then it didn't happen. And then like, the, like we try, like if there's celebrities there, we try, like we got Gennady Golovkin that one time, like Tyson Furious no was one time. So. Wouldn't have done it though. There's no way the desk commander would have been like, nah, I'm good. Maybe I don't know. I don't know, Commander. So I can't speak. I just, his whole vibe is is getting the brand out there. How do you turn this down? We we got to interview Trey the Truth in Houston. That was pretty cool. He came to the media. I was the only one that asked him. Right there. There's no way. There, it, it, maybe I'm wrong, but there's no way Helwani is not trying to book him for the MMA <laughs> hour this week. There's no uh, way. He has to be. The conversation has to be happening in yeah. studio. Oh yeah. my god. Dibs on Dust Commander, calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how he's his face never changes. It's just yeah, it's just mean has a brand. face all the time. That man understands branding, and he's got one, and it's awesome. And Joaquin Buckley, maybe that's really why he didn't do the scrum. Doing a good thing. I will say this: my um, one of my MMA coaches, uh, he does lots of kind of you know debunking self-defense videos so he's done lots of videos kind of making fun of the uh dust training guy and he actually met him and i hate and i didn't get super good details about it but kind of like what laura senko said on on the on the broadcast i was prepared to make fun of him but then once i talked to him for a few minutes i was kind of like okay i get it and my coach was kind of the same way he's like all right uh you know I don't know. And Buckley kind of had the same thing. It's like, oh, this guy's a joke. But then when I met him, uh, he, he has a spell. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm or, or, or I signing up. I think a lot of the stuff he's shown is like demonstrably bad and potentially dangerous. But like, what? 
he doesn't seem like he's grifting. He seems like the line is whether you believe it or not. Yeah. He believes it. And so I think he's fine. He's not like the uh, whatever, like Aikido masters yeah. who tap a dude and he flies backwards. He just like believes the bad stuff. And so he's totally fine. His heart is pure. His content is bad. <laughs> well, the thing he, the thing what my coach was saying, what he, which he was a little confused about, he actually says, my training isn't for fighters versus other fighters. It's sure. not, it's, it's a different, it's for self-defense. It's for people who kind of don't know how to fight against yeah. someone surprising you or something. So, but yeah. it's, it does, it's not mixed martial yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. If someone holds an assault rifle up to your face, <laughs> you do what the man says. Don't yeah. fight back people. Just don't. End of story. Look, the best way to fight is to run away. No, that is not the best. Zigzags, you got to go zigzags. No, I'm talking about fight. What kind of Charlie Day nonsense is that? No, someone holds a shotgun to your head and says, "Come with me." You go with them. You don't run away, clowns. You say, "Look over there," and then when they look, you you sprint super fast and do somersaults. That's what you do, Family Guy style. Um, let's talk about one of the better post-fight interviews. Uh, how many more awkward wins does Kyle Dogs? <laughs> he rehearsed that. You know he rehearsed that. He just hey. and it was still so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so adorable. Hey, who's talking about it? Yeah, John Guy we is are. talking about it. <laughs> We wouldn't be if that question didn't come up. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot funnier if you had just said, I'd like to call out Tony Ferguson and just left. Because <laughs> he, he left like a big gap there. It's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like the Dutch Knight. Got it. Okay. It was way funny. Like, Tony, you lost three in a row and you look bad and your two weight class is smaller. Let's go. <laughs> Which post-fight interview was uh, was in Bellator or or UFC where they asked him who do you want next, and the guy went to his coaches. To, oh, that, that was, was Mario um, Batista. Oh yeah. yeah, that was so good. Oh no, it wasn't Mario so Batista. Good. It was it, Jonathan it, Pierce. It's Jonathan. It was oh yeah, that's what it was. It was okay. so he, went to, he went to Eddie Cha. He actually left the interview for a moment. And all of the fighters on all the fighters on broadcast were like, "Why did I think of that?" <laughs> Dominic Cruz loved that. He thought that was the best thing ever. That's still if you, you want to get on Dominic Cruz's bad side, ask him who he wants after a win. He absolutely loves getting asked that question. <laughs> Mixed Molly Whoppery. David Sandine is just all over the place. Yeah. What did, what did MMW do? He dropped a uh, Piotr Jan video not that long ago. <laughs> also, Mixed Molly Whoppery... Dropped a video that basically just was a Sean Alshadi article and didn't shout him out. So do better, MM Dubs. Uh, um, let me see what else we got here. Um, mm, not the, I thought it was one. And I, know, and I know we don't, I know it's like kind of weird to like talk about like traffic on a website and stuff, but if we're talking about like which event, people on our yeah. website cared the most about it was a miles and miles away bkfc like not more, even close more than ufc oh, oh, yeah. crushed them crushed them what does that mean i mean i, mean, I know what you're saying but what does that mean for the sport i mean as i don't i it means a, i find that amazing is it 
I think it's incredibly simple. Uh, it's a star-driven yeah. sport, and Jamal Hill. Nobody knows who the hell Jamal Hill is. <laughs> it's, people know who Mike Perry is. They know. Good for him. Mike Perry. Mike Perry had a bat yesterday, so come on. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What about, I, I love bringing a bat to a bare knuckle fight. I love it. <laughs> I loved his line. Um, I loved his line when Julian Lane said that he didn't have a manager, and Mike Perry's like, "Yeah, it's because you're dumb." He goes, "You're so dumb that your your, your hairlines are seeding. It's like you, you got you, you prayed so bad that your hairlines are seeding. It was so was, great." You want to hear fun? You want to hear a fun Mike Perry story He's with me? Incredible. This is after the, after we squashed the beef. Uh, he was because he's like, oh, because we were like kind of talking at like a media event or whatever, like off camera. And he kept telling me that he wanted to wear Mexican trunks, even though he's not Mexican, because his baby mama, I don't know if they got married, but at the time, at the time, baby mama was is Mexican. So he's like, I want to represent her country. And my favorite boxer is Roberto Duran. And I'm like, well, he's from Panama. And he goes, huh? Panama? That's not a real place. I'm like, yeah, it is, man. And Roberto <laughs> Duran is from panama That's, it like absolutely baffled him that like he had lived his whole life thinking Roberto Duran was a mexican that is incredibly on brand yeah it's amazing that's he's amazing like ah oh, well i also like canelo so it holds up and i was like yeah okay panama that's not a real place <laughs> well i called he's him panama. i'm like well I, I remember i was like well he's panamanian he goes that's nah, not a real word i was like yeah it is <laughs> He's a Panamaniac. Come on. <laughs> nope. Not a word. Oh, my gosh. This is what happens when you have three events in one night. Um, Look, I'm just saying, if I wasn't a big MMA guy, I would have tuned in for Mike Perry because he just – we had four yeah, quotes. We got, we, got face, we got face, skull, uh, spinal scenes, tribal tats, crosses, tearaway skin. Like, we got the whole gamut of tattoos in MMA in one fight. Oh, yeah. My uh, my friend was over here. She was watching the fight. She had no idea who Mike Perry was, and she goes, "Who is that?" I go, "Oh, that's the guy from Tiger King. He got out of jail." And she was like, "Wow, <laughs> he's like, got really friendly hair." Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." Uh, how long have we gone for? Ooh, oh, what happened here? You got out of time. Oh, this is a fun view. He's he's going he's in yeah. the BKFC uh, <laughs> camera. Oh no, everything got everything got mixed messed up. Yeah. That just Jed's on top of a tapology page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh here we go. Uh, so I saw uh, Mihaus Bucks. Does it seem like Dana snubbed Jim Miller on the bonus table for calling out the ref's late stoppage? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I think I think I think so. I'm, I want to. I actually do specifically want to answer this one. I don't. I think he called the refs out because people were going to complain that Jim Miller. Everyone loves Jim Miller, so I think Dana just like like honed in on the ref stoppage. But like he, this not he rarely gives bonuses to long standing veterans like he just doesn't like look at alistair like i i I remember when alistair over left the ufc i was shocked at how few bonuses he got because he's either he's not he's either getting knocked out or knocking fools out and he never got bonuses because he was such an expensive fighter so i just think dana doesn't give bonuses to people that have been around for so long like cowboy got one i think his last like performance bonus was alex hernandez and then he's got a couple fight of the nights against like Tony Ferguson and various other people. But like, he doesn't really give a lot of bonus to people that are, 
What's up? Cowboys' last win might be Alex Hernandez, so shit, I think he beat Ali Kinta after, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And that was like a beatdown, like a five round beatdown. The problem is, if you give these guys who've been around a lot of money, then they're not going to want it anymore because yeah, sure. then they have money, and so you sure. can't. You can only you got to cap them at like six bonuses. As it, yeah, uh, he gets that uh that big. Sp- uh, sponsor paycheck too. Like, how did Jose Aldo and Rob Font not get fight of the night? Yeah, that was that was a question. Jose Aldo just obliterated Rob Font, and it wasn't a fun fight because Jose Aldo was gone. But that was the best fight of the night, so hence it was fights of the night. Better than the Cheyenne Bays fight. Well, whoa, tough to argue that I guess. That was a weird one. Um, let's talk about Dawkins though a little bit. Who should Dacus fight next? Uh, I will answer that tomorrow. Hey, but what do you guys think? Oh, dude. That middleweight? I wanted to see. He should fight Kevin Holland again, but that's not happening, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Edmund Shabazzian. That's fair. I don't hate, I don't hate that fight. I can work with that. You know, if, if losing to Edmund isn't like the end of the world for Dawkins and if Dawkins wins that gives him the rub of like actually being a name people know that makes sense yeah you could also just do the uh, um, oh wait no because Nasser I was going to say Nasser Dean but then he's fighting no, he's, wait he is Nasser Dean needs to be fighting like top, he, he needs to be fighting like yeah. top 10 people right now he's fighting Gaslam who might be top yeah. 10 in the UFC's rankings I don't know that man is impervious to being dropped I think uh, I think I think Shabazian should actually fight Pickett. If the UFC yeah, really honestly, wants, to, if the UFC wants to rebuild, you Shibazian. need to get Shabazz some some wins. I, th- I still think he's about, a very uh, marketable good fighter, but yeah, he's like Chris Curtis if he sticks around. Chris Curtis is fighting uh, Drakus Duplessis at UFC 272. He, really gets he gets the winner. Oh, 273. How about um? But Gerald Mearshart. For Dawkins? Yeah. 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 Don't hit it. Sounds well, good. That's fine. Cool. Like that. Yeah, Dawkins is like yeah. outside the top 30 right now, I think, in the MMA landscape. So honestly, yeah. any Phil Haas. Oh, no, he already fought Phil Haas. Julian Marquez. Like these are the kinds of fights. Yeah. Ooh, I like Marquez. Give me that one over Mearshart. That's more fun. Uh, um, here we go. Tristan Gordat, what do we say now about John Kavanaugh and Edmund Tarverian? <laughs> Many of their fighters they train continue to keep losing. I think Tristan's wow. trying to set us up. Uh, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna tell someone to leave their coach. I um, will. Well, I we know you for will. a long time I would say that, and then I can't remember what the package was. I think it might have been the Oven Sea Pru one where he talked about how he just had like a real awful few years of his life and like his coach was the only one that stayed with him so like in that aspect like i completely understand why osp never wanted to leave his coach because like it's just different than like who's the nose at that point so i don't know the reasoning for sticking with john cavanaugh at edmund tarverdian but yeah i just even uh i mean even eugene bearman kind of had a rough going at outside of izzy and um you um Allberg in their last fight so sometimes you just have an uber talented fighter and then everyone else is just not that level it just happens 
Look, uh, I I know very little about Tverdin as a coach, other than that he's objectively not a good head coach. He is maybe okay at some other things. I don't know. Kavanaugh's just Kavanaugh's a really bad head coach, and that's just it. Like he's a fine grappling coach. I think he's done pretty well with his fighters in that regard. Man cannot game plan, uh, and that's just like. That's not me as a like it is me as an outsider saying it. It's also just objectively true, because remember when Connor fought Floyd and they were like, "We did not know that Floyd could fight going backwards. We didn't know that could happen." Just like, okay, how do you not know that? Like, he's never he does he's not good at game planning. Like, he is a grappling based coach, and that he I think he's pretty good at that actually, because Connor is a way better grappler than people give him credit for, but. He's not he's not a head coach. So if you want to stick with him, okay, for some parts of it, but you need to go for a broader game plan or you need to be a hyper hyper athlete like Conor McGregor or you're you're not gonna maximize your tools. Uh I think fighters should leave their coaches all the time. Like I know there's a lot of personal stuff going into it, like Jose said, but you it doesn't you don't have to leave them because you hate the coach, but this is a results business. And if you aren't getting results, you have a finite window and you need to find a place that will get you the best results. And maybe that means you move around for a little bit, but oh, Johnny Walker needs to get the hell out of SBG like right now. I don't know I think, if that makes I think a break. that's really odd that needs to be really said. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that changes how his, his trajectory has gone with these last few fights, but that is not the place that's going to fix him. He needs to go for like, undoubtedly needs to go was he was he a tri-star before spg for like a hot minute i thought he was just in was he in the uk i haven't we also did a bunch in russia too like he's bounced around plus his like fiance is front lives in dublin so i think that's why he's sticking around yeah i'm sure that um, that that would make sense it's just that just ain't the team dude you're talented dude any team will take you go find somewhere ATT, screw it. Like, who cares? ATT has a billion coaches. One of them will figure out how to how to optimize you. Well, specifically, they have a lot of coaches that can speak Portuguese too. They also, yeah. Yep. Good and you know Jim be- Miller. Jim Miller's gonna be a good ass coach when he wants to. <laughs> Just gonna work with him. Do anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some there's some very good coaches out there that can own what James Krause would be a really good fit for him. I think that would be a really good fit for kind of a lot for Gallagher. Yeah. I think that he could do a lot with the raw tools that Johnny Walker has. If I was picking a coach, that actually is where I would put him. I would like to see him work with Brandon Gibson a little bit, just like calm him down a little bit. Just take that chaos and hone it in like the right way. He does. He did. He does such a good job with Aaron Pico, man. Albuquerque might be be good for, for Walker because there are a lot of, bigger bigger heavyweights and bigger guys to train with down in albuquerque so um that's a possibility yeah but yeah it's dublin just isn't or fight ready Johnny walker fight ready yeah just fight ready's not bad yeah they're good they're obviously great and look at that the killers that are in that place. i think, over I, think there, just but like I think we've decided that anywhere but spg yeah <laughs> if you're a professional fighter who has means don't especially for walker i mean just he said yeah and uh, last question, a little bit off topic, but it's important. 
Can I hang a 13-pound mirror with screws instead of drywall plugs? If you uh, believe in yourself, sure. It's, it's, it's risky. Hey, you know what? what? You know what? Win or learn. Yeah, when just put it I, up there. If it falls, I feel like that would be hard. Work. 13 yeah, pounds is not that heavy. That's not yeah, that it's heavy. Like I feel like that'll damage. be fine. Yeah, just, yeah, and if it breaks, you're just gonna buy another 13 pound mirror. How about you can get with yeah, Walmart? Yeah, but if it breaks, then you got bad luck. Is Mike, this in reference to something, or is this to Ethan Ross man? character just <laughs> asking <laughs> a bad question? Just, just I think just good information to know. Like Johnny Walker oh, needs really? to change camps, and you know maybe get a stud finder. You know, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll, tricky little implements. <laughs> if this is our last question, I'm I'm gonna leave with a little tease for for on to the next one tomorrow. I'm just gonna leave it out there. Give me Joaquin Buckley versus Chidi and Chikawani. That's the fight to make. Oh, yeah. You're welcome, world. Cool. That's it. Uh, That's the one. That's the fight. And club. no other fight makes sense. I like it. Man, I just want that Koreskov daily fight now. That is such a good call out. Mm. Fighters I like have a name and too. have the right name because that was awesome. I want to watch that. It's got to be. Sure. And, and, and daily said he's not what fighting is the co main event unless it's the co. Right now it's Lima and uh, who's Lima? Jer- Jackson. Jason Jackson. Yeah. Ooh. Which doesn't need to be on the card. <laughs> not that card. Why are, why are you doing that? Yeah. Do that elsewhere. Yeah. Fools. Put Paul Daly Kreshkov on the co-main event and let, and let Douglas Lima fight in like California or Florida. You had an event in yeah. Florida before. Like fools, all of you. Yeah. What? I, I don't understand Where's that at all. Because they're like, oh, Push someone gets there, we need backup. Well, guess what? You got a backup in Koreshkov. He's fighting Paul Daly. There you go. Yeah. We're just saving Bellator every we're single show. The next one, an inch closer. We're trying, man. <laughs> they ain't listening, but we're trying. Scott Coker, well, pick up the phone. Offer AJ McKee right now for, <laughs> for Bobby Knuckles and Johnny Walker. You could do so much with Johnny Walker. Good night, everybody. (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.